All right, welcome back to Ducks and Pucks. This is going to be the second episode. Um, this time we're going to change things up a little bit. We're going to uh, introduce ourselves first, and then we will go into uh, different uh, stats and uh, news around the league and with the Ducks. Um, Eddie, why don't you tell everybody uh, a little bit about yourself? Uh, well, I'm Eddie. Uh, you know, I'm, I was raised and uh, born in London, Ontario, uh, a long way away from Anaheim. But I don't know. I just uh, I just fell in love with the Ducks. Uh, they were the first team I really I didn't really get a chance to watch them. You know, we don't get a lot of coverage here. We get Leafs games, Habs games, but uh, whenever they played here, I I, I just kind of gravitated towards the team. Um, you know, I've, I grew up watching the O3 Ducks mostly when I was actually old enough to watch hockey. Uh, you know, my favorite player growing up was was Korea, and I think the the game everybody remembers is the uh, the O3 Finals. That's probably the first game I actually remember watching. I was only about uh, nine at the time, I believe. So that's the game that you know that sticks in my head for sure. Uh, uh, definitely when uh, the Ducks won the Cup too. That's another moment. Uh, uh, we got a question from Thomas, uh, one of the one of the writers at Ducks and Pucks, and he asked uh, what, where we were when the Ducks won the Cup. Um, I was at home <laughs> as much as I wish I was there. I was uh, I was only about 14, I think, when they won it. So uh, I was unfortunately here, but I was watching it on a big screen outside. So. That was uh, another moment that really sticks in my head. Um, I, I finally got to uh, to go to a game this year, or yeah, this year though. Uh, I went to go see the uh, the back-to-back games, uh, the Ducks playing the Kings uh, the, and the Honda Center, and then the uh, the Stadium Series. So I thought that was probably the uh, the best time to come down. You know, I was finally old enough to get down there, and uh, what a better time to go down there than you know the first outdoor game in uh, in California history. So um yeah that's pretty much it there's that's uh really why i like the ducks uh th- there's not much else about me other other than that Eddie, um as everybody knows my name's uh mike and uh born and raised in anaheim um and basically the reason why i got into the ducks is really uh due to my mom um you know back in 93 when the ducks came about uh Mom surprised my dad and I bought us a mini plan. Uh, we went to the first game on uh, October 8th, 1993, you know, against the Red Wings. And uh, after that, I was just hooked. You know, I was, uh, I still watch other sports too, but, you know, hockey's number one and followed it ever since. Um, I was there in the uh, 03 finals when, you know, like you had mentioned, the stuff that had happened with Korea. Um, very, very exciting. Obviously, you know, winning all the home games was great. And then of course, losing all the road games to the devils. Um, and, uh, going back, back also to Thomas's question, I was, I was there when we won it all, which was amazing. Uh, I had a, a crappy flip phone, which I had photos on and I don't know where that phone is today. So kind of unfortunate. I don't have the photos when I was there, but, um, one of the best moments, uh, my first initial favorite player was Paul Korea, and then um, after that it was Tamu Solani, which you know most people can tell because that's a lot of the articles that I reference and talk about are uh, Tamu Solani. Um, and then uh, basically the whole blog came about. Um, it's just there's been other blogs out there, and the websites just come and go. We've, we've seen some uh, in the '03 time and the '07 time when the Ducks won. And there were blogs that would come up, and they do really, really, really well for maybe six months or a year, and then they would just disappear. So I, I just came up with the idea of making a blog, 
and getting people involved. And there's some other stuff we'll talk about later on in this episode. But um, uh, people had asked, you know, um, what's the big thing with the blog? And I like getting information out to people. Um, sometimes I talk to people and they have misinformation about something or sometimes they have good information about something. Uh, like one of the recent articles, someone had told me that there were some discount shirts at the Honda Center. So I went down there and found the shirts and bought them and then put it out there to, you know, all the fans. So that's one of the joys I kind of get out of it is relaying information to people that maybe some of the bigger, more commercial type blogs don't do. And then uh, some people asked about the podcast. Well, Eddie was the reason for the podcast. So he's the one who approached me with that. And uh, here we are. So you can thank him for the podcast and you can thank me for the blog. I got to ask, was, uh, was Ryan Kessler down there selling you the shirts at the Honda Center? No, no, he wasn't down there. No, I know we saw the video, but no, he wasn't down there at the time. At that, I uh, must have been a day or two uh, too early for that one. <laughs> um, another question too that some people had asked us about the the upcoming season too was uh, the games we're looking forward to. You know, obviously I'm looking forward to the home opener. Um, I'll be there against uh, the Minnesota Wild, and um, I'm looking forward to. You know, we don't know, but uh, this is rumored. Um, they're looking at January 11th, the home game against the Winnipeg Jets, as possibly, possibly the game that they're going to do a ceremony for Tamu Solani retiring. Um, it was in our uh, open house article that Jeremy posted. Um, for those of you that don't know, they have an event every year where they talk about the Ducks and they do a season ticket uh, kind of uh, portion of it too, where you can look at seats and buy seats. And uh, it was mentioned during that time with uh, Tim Ryan. Bob Murray and Ryan Getzloff were all there and they talked about it. They didn't go into specifics, but a lot of us are putting our money on that date to be a date that they're going to do something special for Tamu. Um, and moving on uh, to the recent news for the Ducks, uh, we saw that uh, Trent Yanni became um, another assistant coach for the Ducks. He moved up from the uh, Norfolk Admirals uh, where they had a good season last year. They had uh, 40 wins. Um, they made the playoffs. They they won the first round, then lost the second round. And uh, the assistant down there, Jared Scaldi, is now going to take over. Um, what do you think as far as the movement with the coaches, Eddie? Uh, you know, it's uh, I don't know too much about Jared Scaldi, obviously, because you know I I try and pay as much attention to the AHL as I can. Uh, I don't get much coverage here, but you know he, he's. He was assistant coach last year for the Admirals. You know, he's just moving up in the system. I think it's better than going out and grabbing a guy, a different guy. You know, it's just for the for the minor team. I get when you're in the NHL, you want to go out and you grab a different coach from somewhere else. But when you're just promoting guys through the youth system, it's better to have a guy who's been there for the past few years. He knows the players. He, you know, he just naturally steps into that coaching job. I, I, so I don't really think... Uh, there would be anybody else that they probably thought of. He was probably number one on their list just because he's been in that that system for, you know, with Yanni and he can easily step in there. Um, I think he'll do well down there. I think, uh, um, you know, Trent Yanni will do well at the Ducks. You know, some people ask that question. They go, okay, you have Niedermeyer as assistant coach. You have Yanni. Uh, you know, what's going to happen with Tamu? You know, um, the open house event, like we, we talked about it before, they talked about him retiring. Um, and, you know, there's been word out, out there, what's going on? What's he going to do? Um, you know, is he going to be a coach? Is he going to be in management? Is he going to retire? Um, I, don't, I don't really see him uh, doing the coaching thing. Uh, for some of you out there on Fox Sports 
West. They had an interview with him and Brian Hayward. He talked about coaching a little bit, but it seemed like his heart was more in management. Um, I don't know. What, what do you think uh, Tammy lands next year, Eddie? I, I see him more in management. I, I just can't I can't picture him behind the bench. Um, when you look at – I just can't see him getting mad. <laughs> For some reason, <laughs> I just can't – I can't picture <laughs> Timu yelling from behind the bench. I see him more management. I don't know how high he can go in management. Um, you know, he's got a ton of hockey experience, obviously, but, uh, I, yeah, I don't see him behind the bench. It, it would have to be in management, if anything, and I'm sure when we've seen some of the interviews, he seems to be leaning more towards that. Oh, what do you think, too? We had our other uh, writer out in Finland, uh, Timo. He, he mentioned that uh, Yari Curry and Solani were talking about, you know, doing a, some kind of cooperation in Jokerit. Do you see Tamu maybe going over there instead and either playing or managing over there? Um, if he does, I don't I don't really think it's a long term thing. Uh, I no, I I'm not inside Timu's head, but I think yeah. he'd probably would rather work with the Ducks. But you know, I, I definitely, you know, I could see him going back to Finland and working with Jokerit for a few years. And just maybe to get some experience, some management experience before he comes over. But I'm sure they've already got a role slotted in there for him anyway, like right now. So, I I I don't I don't see him uh, staying in Joker at long term. He's probably already you know, like if he right now went to the Ducks, he probably has a job. But you know, if he wants to pick up some experience, then going back to Finland wouldn't be a bad idea. And you know, we figure that Tamu's gone. So we can figure out what he's going to do later and whatnot. But uh, that leaves another hole on the Ducks roster, and we're trying to figure out where all the players are going to fit in. And uh, Eddie, you got an interview here, Boost Boudreaux on Sportsnet uh, 590. Uh, and you want to play that so we can uh, let everybody listen to uh, what Bruce has to say? Yeah, it's uh, well, it's, it's kind of cool for because I think probably most of our viewers aren't from Canada. There could be a few. But, uh, yeah, this there's an interview on, uh, on Sportsnet here, which is uh, one of our main uh, – uh, sports channels and uh it was on he was on primetime sports with bob mccowan here uh so we're just going to queue up an interview um with bruce and bob from sportsnet 590 the fan uh here's one of our favorite people he's the head coach of the anaheim ducks bruce boudreaux is with us hello gabby how are you bob i'm fine how are you tonight excellent uh before we uh, get to um the future even the present let's take a minute in the past um uh, the Los, I haven't yeah, talked to you since ahead. the Los Angeles Kings won the Stanley Cup. Is that like the worst scenario possible for you? Like, is that? Uh, I mean, you know, anybody but the Kings. It's 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 one way. It's really bad because, uh, quite frankly, the the Kings fans are everywhere in Southern California, and they let us know it every time they see us. And, right. <laughs> so that's that's pretty irritating every time you see them. And, but on the other hand, you sit there and you go, okay, we lost in seven games to the Stanley Cup champion. It's easy to, to go tell the players that we're really close and, you know, not to lose their uh, focus or whatever and not, you know, it's disappointing to lose, but we're that close and just to keep going. You had, um, you had a good season. You had a great regular season. Uh, you looked like you were primed for this postseason. And while uh, you had some success in the postseason, I think you would acknowledge it, it, it had moments. It was a struggle. Was it, um, was it surprising to you that, that it was a struggle? No, no. I mean, you know what? 
whether we like it or not, we always say, geez, I don't want to play this team in the first round. I don't want to play that team. And you don't admit it publicly, but privately you're thinking these things. And Dallas was the team that we didn't want to play because they'd beaten us two out of three times during the season. And we knew they could really skate and that they'd have a lot of confidence. Uh, I thought we, you know, I mean, I thought we played better than them, but it was a really tough series. The Kings series, we thought we were going to win. I mean, we we were 4-0-1 against them in the regular season. And, you know, I think one of the things that really hurt us was when they tied it up with seven seconds to go in game one. Um, I think that was a real – it took us the whole next game to get over it. And then we won two in their building and game five back in our building. And I thought we were going to get it done. But as you can tell, the resilience for, uh, for that team when they – when their backs were against the wall, you could tell they'd been champions before. Coach, a couple of questions. You added two really good pieces, but in your mind, I mean, the coaches who would get that close, are you done? Or are you hoping, you know, that to keep moving? There's another piece you want to add. Well, I think, uh, but to, we're, we're probably done right now, um, but that doesn't mean we can't add during the season. You know, like I think right now we have. Uh, eight defensemen on one-way contracts and and 14 forwards uh, that are uh, 13 forwards on one way and, and and another young player that's really good that be hard to keep out of the NHL. So I think if there's uh, anything that we'd be doing right now, it might be sub- subtracting. But I don't know what uh, uh, what we're what what they're thinking. What I'm in Ontario right now, so I don't know what's going on back in Anaheim. But uh, I think with the with the uh, things we did with getting Kessler and Nate Thompson, I thought were two really good uh, pickups. Uh, Kessler, I, I've never coached a team that had has had a one-two center punch like this, so it's going to be interesting to to coach that team. And I think our young guys are matured enough that uh, uh, they're looking for prime time, um, even with Solani and Koivu basically retiring. Yeah, but I thought the adding the two pieces was a was a great positive message to send to the team after what you'd gone through, especially when the Pacific and getting back in the groove right in training camp. Absolutely. I mean, those were great, great pickups, and I think it made our team better. I mean, I'm sure uh, we wouldn't have done it, Bob wouldn't have done it, if he didn't think this was going to make our team a better team. I mean, we gave up some good pieces in, in um, Benino and Perot, but uh, I think we definitely – uh, made ourselves a bigger and stronger and better team, uh, more playoff ready than than we were a year ago. I think everybody knows what you're getting in Kessler and can and can visualize his potential impact in the lineup. Uh, if you um, acquired Danny Heatley eight years ago, um, I think we all would have gone, "Wow, um, what what do you do with a 33-year-old Danny Heatley who has demonstrated signs that he can't do, he can't be the guy that he once was and was for a considerable period of time offensively? How do you, how do you massage the best out of him? Well, I mean, I, I think one thing, I mean, for the first time in an awful lot of years, he's not making a lot of money by NHL standards. Right. And if he wants to continue playing, his motivation um, should be at an all-time high. Um, thinking of the idea that he might be starting playing with Getzlaff and Perry, um, 
would make me be, want to be in the best shape of my life because it could be it, it could be the the way to get another five year contract with a lot of money uh, to end his career if he if he does what he's supposed to do. Um, I think on the other hand that it was a, a very cheap um, uh, gamble. You know, I mean, if it if it doesn't work out, I don't think it cost Bob uh, a lot of money and. But we think I've talked to him a couple times now on the phone, and and he's he's definitely uh, sounds like he can't wait to play. I mean, I know all players uh, talk like that, but yeah. uh, I thought his playoffs was the best part of his year. And if that's the kind of guy we get, I think we're we're going to be fine with him. I mean, we had Dustin Penner last year; he did uh, extremely well on that line. So um, I think Danny Heatley could do the same thing. Gabby, are you, when you get a guy like Heatley, do you mentally slot him somewhere in your lineup? I mean, at this point in his career, based upon his stats last year in Minnesota, he looks to me like a third-line guy, uh, maybe a fourth-line guy. Or do you think maybe you start him there and see what happens? Or are you? Are, am I reading you correctly that you might put him up front? I might. I mean, I you know, he his whole life he's been a scorer and a dynamic scorer. That's true. And I, I believe that you put people in positions to succeed. And a lot of times you put a player like Danny Heatley on the third or fourth line, he's going to play like a third or fourth liner. Mm-hmm. But you give him the opportunity and the ball and say, here, let's see what you got. And it, it won't take long to find out whether he's got it or he doesn't. I mean, because that would be the biggest, uh, uh, boy, if somebody gave me that opportunity when I was playing, I definitely would have taken advantage of it. Well, um, who, who do you put with Kessler? Do you, have you thought about that? Yeah, I think we've got a, we've got a multitude of guys to, that we could put, you know, Cogliano, Silverberg, uh, and Kessler would be through a line that could, could skate as well as anybody in the league. They can check and score. I mean, it would be, I think, a perfect combination. Um, I don't know if that's the way it'll end up, but uh, it, it sounds like a pretty good line. Yeah. When I've gone over it in my head. So you have, you're going to have two lines, arguably as good as any two lines in the National Hockey League. Uh, and I'm not asking you for confirmation of that. Let me just say that that's the case. I wonder how cognizant you are even now of the danger of um, subtly, maybe not deliberately, using those two lines too much during the regular season. Do you have to keep reminding yourself it's a long grind? I got probably a hundred games I want to play this year. These eighty-two have some import, but the you know the twenty-eight or eighteen or whatever I play after that are a lot more important. I mean, is that's got to play in your head? You know, you know, Bob. Normally, I agree with you, but I'm not going to agree with you this time because anybody that knows me knows I play four lines. If you look at the right. ice times of Corey Perry, it was 18 minutes uh, all last year, and one of the reasons we led the league in goals was because all four lines contributed. And I firmly believe we have to have the same thing this year: is we have to have everybody contributing. Um, what it does do is it makes it easier for me to match lines. 
with the strength of uh, Ryan Kessler. And I'm taking nothing away from Benino, Koivu, or, or Perot, but they were small centers. Now in the big Western Conference, I can put Getzlaff or Kessler, I feel, against any line and have the other line still being able to play against uh, who we want to choose to play against. Um, well, listen, before we like... Sure, it does. It makes 100% sense. Okay. All right. I'm just, you know, I, my, my only thought was, you know, that is there that temptation out there? And I know you play four lines, but I was at that temptation out there. It's like, you know, I got the, I got these horses. You know, sometimes you want to ride those horses. All right. After that, uh, the interview with uh, Bruce Boudreau, uh, one of the first things he talked about was how one of the young players he would find hard keeping out of the NHL. He didn't really mention who that was. Uh, we we have a couple ideas. Uh, I'll start with uh, with who Mike thinks it could be. Yeah, you know, to me, it, it just seems logical that it would be uh, Raquel uh, playing that fourth line center role because it seems like when he talks about the different lines with, um, you know, Kessler on the uh, second line with uh, Andrew Cagliano and obviously gets off on the first line, it seems like maybe Nate Thompson goes on the third and Raquel on the fourth. You know, he played really, really well last year. and I just find it hard pressed that Bruce would bench Raquel um, after doing such a great job, you know, throughout the season on that last line and, you know, in the playoffs, getting his first goal uh, and just being a hard worker on offense and defense. Yeah. I really wish he would have mentioned who it actually was, but like he doesn't, uh, he just kind of says one player, one young player. So that could be a number of guys, could be Edom's uh, DSP, but I really think they have locked up spots on the team when looking at the roster. So it kind of just leaves Raquel, you know, because he, he's been familiar with Raquel with the 18 games he played with Anaheim last year. So I don't really see it be anybody else, especially when, you know, when he mentions, uh, you know, Heatley's going to play on the left. We've got, you know, Cogliano's going to play on the left. I think it, it, then that center spot is open. So I think it has to be Raquel as the guy who he's really talking about. And what do you think about Bruce's comments as far as, you know, Heatley, obviously he's coming in. He's not making as much as he's used to. Um, he's going to try him out on the first line uh, with the Twins, um, you know, and then Cogliano, Kessler, and Silverberg on the second line. Me personally, I'm fine with both those. I, I like that option. Uh, I think that uh, if he starts the season that way and he rolls that way for the first few weeks – you know, and it works out. I don't see that being a problem. Um, you know, you've got two really good lines, two lines that can sustain offensive pressure, two lines that can play decent defense and win faceoffs. Um, you know, I wouldn't be uh, upset at all with those two uh, going forward as the first two uh, top lines. Yeah, it kind of sounds like he's calling them out too. Like he, some of the the two of the quotes you said in there, he said it's the first time he's not making a lot of money, and then his motivation should be at an all time high. So he's really saying like you better perform. You know, we we want you to be back to scoring fifty points. So you know, I, I he's gonna. It sounds like he's gonna give him uh, that shot. You know, he also said it should be a way. He should, like his play should be a way to get another five-year contract. That should be his motivation. Uh, so I think he will come in motivated. Like it's, I don't know if he listened to the interview with Boudreaux. I highly doubt it. But you know he's uh, he's got the Boudreaux's right with the motivation. He's gonna. He said he's gonna. You know, possibly test him out on that first line. Uh, if he does and he play, if he you know if he's motivated and he plays well, he can definitely put up a, a good enough points to stay on that line. And then you know he's gotta he's gotta pick up the defensive slack a bit. You know he's been a little, you know, obviously weak in that end. He's he doesn't you know back check hard. Um, you can't put all that pressure on on Perry and Getzlaff because they've had line mates who will come back. You know Penner, 
Panner came back and played defense, but um, it seems like Brujo's going to play him on the first line, and then, like he said, if you play him on the third and fourth line, he'll play like a third and fourth line player, and he believes he's more than that. You know, he said he's always he's always been a high-scoring player throughout his career, so I think he's right in that. In fact, if you're going to play Heatley on the third and fourth line, you're going to, you know, he's going to perform and put up numbers like a third and fourth line player. You saw that in Minnesota last year when he played with Coyle and Niederreiter. That's obviously, uh, you know, not a top line. That's a third line. Yes, he didn't perform with Parise, but you're going to play him on the third and fourth line. You know, he's going to act like it. So if you give him a chance on that first line, hopefully he's motivated to actually do well. You know, and if he uh, plays on that first line and does well, how many goals do you see him getting? I, me personally, I, I think if he's on the first line, healthy, plays well, has the chemistry, all those uh, you know intangibles as well, I see him putting up at least twenty goals on the first yeah, line. Yeah, you know, I see him sniffing twenty. Uh, I I don't, the, the, you know, the uh, Bob McCowan on that interview, he uh, he said that he could possibly they wouldn't be surprised if he reached thirty. I think that's a little bit of a stretch. You know, I've I really like the Heatley signing. If he reaches thirty, that's bargain of the season if he reaches 30 I, I i don't see him reaching i think 25 maybe at the highest but you know he's a he's a big guy you, you don't lose that that scoring touch uh you know he's a little, obviously a little bit slower than he used to be uh, I, he's definitely not gonna get 50 again but 20 you know half that i'd be fine with that i wouldn't i wouldn't be uh i wouldn't you wouldn't find any complaining from me and what do you think about you know he talks about the second line um you know, Cogliano playing wing with Kessler and Silverberg as that second um, punch, basically, as he talks about, you know, one-two punch at the center position, but basically one-two punch for the top two lines. Do you think that that second line is what you would roll with, or is there something? Uh, I, yeah, you know, I, I didn't have that down. I actually had those two on different lines, but when he mentioned it, you know, I, I, I just kind of looked at it more, and I actually really like that as a line. You know, they can, they can all skate. Obviously, we know Cogliano can skate. Kessler is a really good skater. Silverberg's a really good skater. They all can check. You know, they're big guys. Cogliano's not too big, but he's one of those you know gritty kind of Brendan Gallagher players. But he'll get in there and you know he'll still throw a few checks, and they can score. You know, Silverberg has a great release. Kessler has a you know great shot too. Cogliano showed that he could score last year. So it, they bring three aspects to the game on, and they all have that on one line. So, and he you know he said he would. That's the line he had in his head that that he liked. It's not 100% on paper, but usually if the coach likes the line, you could you could be a safe bet to say that this line is going to be used at least once in the season. And I'm I could see them doing well. It looks like a really really good line to put out there on the second line. I agree. You know, uh, for me, the second line would be a good two way line. You know, you got people that can go down there and score. Uh, Cogliano, Silverberg, and Kessler, and then you've got them that can rush back and check. So to me, it's a good two-way line, especially right after the top line. Yeah, it's gonna it's gonna be a line that is gonna tire a lot of teams really quickly because these guys can move really fast. Like the, you put this line against anybody, and they're gonna be quicker than it could be one of the quickest lines in in the NHL easily. Yeah, the second line is definitely going to have a lot of speed. And talking about speed, um, we're going to look at some of the uh, younger players on the team. And um, one of the rookies that I look to step up this year is Devontae Smith-Pelly. Um, last season, you know, he played uh, just 19 games in the regular season. He had two goals. Uh, but then in the playoffs, you know, he stepped up. He had 12 um, games that he played in 
uh, majority with the Twins, and he had five goals to lead the team. So, I, you know, I'm looking for him to step up um, and play. I, You know, if Heatley doesn't work out in the first line, I could see DSP up there. If Heatley does work out on the first line, great. Obviously, we, we've already covered that, and I'm happy with that. But I could see him, you know, playing uh, majority of the season, you know, at least uh, 60, 70 games and putting up 20 goals in the season. I mean, he's kind of the rookie that I'm looking to uh, this season to, to really make an impact. Yeah, we don't have, uh, like, there is a lot of young guys jumping up, but it's not like it's a ton. We have... Devontae Smith-Pelly, Emerson Edom, uh, Ricard Raquel. I believe that's it. And, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe those are the only three guys jumping up, aren't there? Yeah, those are the, the primarily the three yeah. main uh, guys that we have. I mean, you know, uh, as far as on the offense, those are the big... Yeah, like the defense is set. Edom, I mean, Lindholm and Vaughton had their rookie seasons exactly. last year. Um, exactly. Yeah, so it's... The, the, and I don't... I guess... Uh, Edom is is having his first full season with the team, but I don't think he can be considered a rookie anymore. He's played 29 games last year. I believe he's played more before this. Like, um, I guess it's his first full season. Devontae Smith, Pell, and Emerson Edom might not be able to be considered rookies, but with right. the team, we're gonna label them as rookies. So, but yeah, you know, Edom he he played. 10 more games than uh, Smith probably last year. He had 29 games and 11 points, and he, he only played four in the playoffs before he went back, back down to Norfolk. Uh, this could be a season where he's going to have an elevated role. You know, uh, Solani's gone. Koivu's gone. So a third-line role possibly for Edom this year. Would, would, you know, it's yet to see uh, where he's going to play. Bujo didn't really mention Edom unless he was that young player he was talking about. Um, and then Raquel, I think Raquel's the most intriguing guy because he's going to be the uh, the real natural rookie coming in the team, playing 18 games this year with four assists. Uh, he's definitely going to have to make a huge jump, and if he's uh, going to actually play third line center, he could have a really productive year. Uh, he's got to get you know obviously add some goals to that and had a few more points, but you know if he puts up 30, 40 points. I'd be over the moon. <laughs> I would definitely be more than happy. Yeah, as far as those young guys go so far, I'd, I'd be happy with um, all of them, you know, stepping up and uh, getting in that point total uh, that we've been talking about um, for the next coming season. And, you know, another guy that I look at to break out next season would uh, be Patrick Maroon. Um, you know, he played on the top line with the Twins last year. He all played on other lines as well. But uh, he had a pretty uh, good uh, stretch for 62 games you know he had 11 goals and 18 assists and I could see him coming in next year um, with the uh, Solani gone and filling those that spot you know at the left wing position and coming out with at least 20 goals definitely yeah and he had about 40 more penalty minutes than everybody else too so you know he's gonna be that big body guy again and 29 points for a player like that it's definitely productive, and if he if he puts that up again, or and that was only in 62 games, so you know if he like this is the evident of how Bruce Bujo likes to roll his lines. So yeah, he could if he comes on as a breakout season, that'd be perfect. I think uh, you know Vatnin, he, he had a great season last year, only played 48 games. He could come out and have a breakout season. Uh, uh you could argue that last season was a breakout season for Lindholm, uh, putting up 30 points in 78 games. Uh, he could come out and have an even better season. Uh, Cam Fowler as well. You know, if he comes out, has a really consistent season. 
Kessler, any any number of guys could come out and have a breakout season this year. And uh, but yeah, like you said, I think Patrick Maroon is the most intriguing one because he doesn't. He seems to be working on his scoring and you know crashing the net, which we like to do. And when he played on the first line, it's going to be interesting to see how he does not playing on that first line and see if he can you know keep up the point total. But yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting to see. You know, and uh, as far as like uh, players having comeback years too. Um, I would say currently on the Ducks, I'd kind of look at Silverberg maybe as a comeback season. Um, you know, he came out and started out really well, scored uh, several goals early on, uh, injured his um, uh, wrist again. And, you know, he ended up playing 52 games, uh, you know, 10 goals, 13 assists, not not bad numbers. But I think a lot of us expected a lot more in that first couple of weeks. So I think if he stays healthy, he's definitely a player that also could drop 20 goals, maybe 40, 50 points next year too. Yeah, especially playing with Ryan Kessler. Uh, if that line comes to fruition under what Bruce Rojo said, uh, that could be a really lethal line. And Silverberg be- could be the ultimate benefactor from that pairing being together. Oh, yeah. I, I, that, that line of those three could really, really take off, especially after the top line going out there. Um, you know, another comeback uh, season is obviously we talk about this is, is Heatley. Um, you know, he wasn't with the Ducks last year. He's with the Wild. He only had the 12 goals that everybody likes to point out. But, you know, he had 20 goal seasons a couple years before, 30 goal seasons before that. You know, and um, I would look at him too. another person to really step it up. If he gets on the first line and plays well, I think he can take off, too. Yeah, he's probably the number one candidate for comebacks. He just gets looked on so negatively for one bad season. Like we we know players who will go a couple seasons being having really bad seasons, and you know within their own fan bases they won't be looked bad upon. But Heatley just gets this like overall hate towards him. Like we get it. We he's not a physical player. He's not going to go back and 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 back check. He's not a great puck possession player, but. When you when you've consistently scored over fifty points in your career and then you don't do it for one season and you're just completely like hated on by a lot of people out there, he's the number one candidate for a comeback season and uh, he's got all the motivation to do it for sure. Yeah, I think uh, this season's going to be an exciting one for the Ducks fans. I mean, just with all the young players that I you know with their rookie year or second year however you want to categorize it Heatley coming in Kessler coming in it's really going to be some exciting times I think this season coming up yeah it's like uh it's a nerve-wracking season in a way because we don't we don't know really what's going on in that either with uh with Anderson and, and Gibson with if when we're talking about rookies with Anderson having another you know is he gonna have if he's gonna come back and have the same kind of season he had um is Gibson gonna get the start and you know, he's, is he going to break out and have a 30-win season? It depends really who starts. And it's one of those seasons where we haven't really seen where it's kind of uncertain. There's like a, there's a lot of pressure. Like the Ducks have been put in is going to be really good. But then, you know, you got those questions in, in that for, for especially. And then there's always the questions we've had on D. So, it, you know, it's going to be a, a really interesting season to watch. Kind of nerve-wracking in the beginning. I would put it for most fans, but it'll be interesting to watch. Yeah, I, I agree. I think it's going to be a filling out process, definitely in October, November, and uh, getting all the lines set up, like you said, getting the D set up, goalie, all those things. But I really think that they get all that down, um, hopefully December at the latest, you know, and just really pile through 
uh, January and down the final stretch. I mean, I, I don't um, see them not, you know, ending up in the number one or number two seed, uh, you know, in the Western Conference. You know, it just uh, the way the moves have gone in the offseason, uh, like they're talking about uh, and part of that interview uh, that we didn't uh, post up on here is they talked about the teams making the most moves and the Ducks are the team that has made the most beneficial moves and improvements in the offseason. Yeah, yeah, and you know maybe next to uh, to Dallas being that uh, the other team that's made the most moves, but you know they haven't caught up to Anaheim in, in overall skill of the team. And you know, like you get, there's always the phrase you can start on championship teams don't have to make a lot of moves, but you know we the Dallas Kings obviously they didn't have to make moves. Their big move was re-signing Gabrick. Uh, Chicago brought in Brad Richards, but you know we're right up there now. Uh, we got, you know, we're, we got a lot of questions in goal. We're not, you know, but we're in a better position than some other teams are in that, you know, St. Louis is Allen and Elliot. So, it, you know, it's going to be, uh, it's going to be scary. I think for the first game and in, in, in my opinion, watching Anderson or Gibson get the start. Uh, but I think it's going to work out for, for the end of the season. Definitely. You know, and, and looking around the NHL that, you know, we talked about some of the moves by the other, um, teams out there as well and nashville signed uh ribido and uh roy and uh you know both they're pretty good now at the center position um how do you think nashville pans out now yeah especially with mike fisher going out uh for such a long amount of time uh these aren't really the guys nashville wanted uh you know it was rumored they were going after joe thornton i think that was probably their number one option but that would have to been in a trade they would have had to give up a lot of pieces. Uh, like this is good business, but it's not great business. Uh, Roy's reg- he's in regression for sure. He's 31 now. He's not putting up the same numbers he did with Buffalo. His point totals seem to just continuously go down. Uh, he could be a candidate for a comeback season in Nashville, but I don't really see it. Unless he's on a line with James Neal, the offense in Nashville drops down considerably. So who he's playing with could dictate how his season went, but you know he was on a team in St. Louis last year, who has a lot of scoring options. He only put up 37 points, which isn't terrible, but you know in a team that's looking for a number one guy, these two are number two, number three guys. And you know Mike Ribeiro consistently put up 40, at least 40 points in the in the last uh, like six or seven seasons. So he's probably going to be the guy that that's up there, but you know he's a real, he's kind of unreliable in his own end. So it's going to be Nashville's going to be an interesting team to watch because they've been up and down, sort of like the Islanders. They've made the playoffs, then they don't make the playoffs, then they're near the bottom of the league. So they're kind of all over the place for the last few years. Um, the, obviously, these are good um, like additions to the team. I, I just uh, I kind of want to see how they're going to actually um, you know affect a team that's. Always been limited on offense. As you mentioned, Nashville is going to be an interesting to watch. They've historically had a really good defense on their team. Um, with Fisher out, though, it's going to be interesting to see how the offense pans out. Um, you know, and speaking of other teams that are looking to make some moves, we were looking at uh, Chicago and they're shopping around Johnny Odulia. And I've seen some Ducks fans make some posts about, hey, you know, what about this guy? We should go pick him up as another defensive player. But Honestly, in my opinion, I would say no. I like the lineup we have with the D-men right now. Not to say that Odilia isn't a good player or anything of that nature. I just I don't see him fitting into our defensive system in Anaheim. Yeah, I, I'm not. I really 
would not want Johnny Oduya. And, and like nothing against Oduya, he's been a good player with Chicago. It's we got Clayton Stoner in here for that reason. Um, and trading for a guy like Oduya would would make really no sense at all. Uh, like if we're gonna grab a guy, you want we want a top four guy. Uh, you know, a, a bigger top four guy. Somebody like a, a Brent Seabrook or a Yarmulson, Tyler Myers kind of guy. Uh, and I don't really see those guys being available and at a price where I think it would be worth it. With We, we have a, a good enough defensive core right now that we should at least give a shot at um, working together with the addition of Clayton Stoner. So, yeah, um, nothing against Oduya. I just I really wouldn't want to see him added to the team. And you and I agree on that one and you know another player that Ducks fans have talked about too was uh, Evander Kane out of Winnipeg he's being shopped around too um you know and, and done well you know last season he had uh, 41 points you know uh throughout his uh handful of years that he's been playing he's been averaging almost 20 goals a year um but again you know the problem with him is we already went and got Heatley at a bargain deal I I just don't see the Ducks trying to trade some youth for another left winger uh, what do you no. think Eddie you've been linked with Kane for a while um as that guy who could really fit with guy uh, with Getzlaff and Perry you know he's a big guy he's physical power forward guy who can score uh but at the price that I've seen been thrown around for a guy who's uh you know not even really close to a point per game. They've, you know, Theodore's name has been thrown in with Raquel and like a first rounder or or three young guys or or you know like Lindholm and a prospect. Like for for uh, a Evander Kane, uh, I'd rather pass. All right, I agree with you, Eddie. You know, we should just pass on uh, Evander Kane. Um, and you know, looking at all the teams, um, you know, the Vegas odds. They have the uh, Hawks seven to one to win next season. Uh, Kings at nine to one. Um, the Bruins ten to one, and then the Ducks and the Penguins uh, twelve to one. How do you think uh, the teams stack up? Do you think anybody does better than expected or worse? Um, I think a team to to watch out for next year would probably you know, Dallas for sure picking up Spezza, uh, Minnesota with Vanek. But you know they both made the playoffs last year. Uh, uh, Edmonton, we've been all looking at for the past few years. Uh, when are they gonna? For, you know, one of the rookies and their first round picks that they've accumulated going to do anything. I don't think it's this year. Nashville could be one to watch. James Neal, Seth Jones' second season. Uh, you know, uh, with uh, Ribeiro and Roy going there. It's a tough Western Conference, though. I don't really see them. Uh, St. Louis as well, with no with no uh, Halak and no Miller. They've got Allen and uh, Elliott. That's going to be interesting to watch. Um, on the eastern side, I really want to see how I think Columbus is going to be another surprise. Uh, Tampa Bay with uh, with Duran could take them to a next level. Um, yeah, I think that's really you know Toronto again. They're probably going to disappoint. Um, other than that, I don't really see any surprises. Yeah, I don't. I don't see too many. I think I agree with you in the West. I, I'm kind of looking at Minnesota and Dallas just to see how they do. Uh, you know, they both made the playoffs. They both played tough. In the West, those are kind of my two teams to, for fans to keep their eyes on. Um, looking at the East, uh, you know, I'm curious about Columbus. They gave Pittsburgh a, a hard time. I'm kind of curious to see how they come out. I'm curious, too, to see how Pittsburgh comes out. Um, we, you know, we talked about Cosby last time. Looks like he's not going to have surgery now that they're saying. I mean, uh, obviously, we have 
me, but I'm kind of curious to see how they're going to do with all the shakeup. Um, you know, obviously Bowles moving out over there. Uh, I'm also curious to see how Detroit does. You know, Detroit barely made it last year. Um, it'll be just kind of interesting to see if they can come back a powerhouse team or are they going to, you know, just be a seventh, eighth place team. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, Detroit's kind of one of those teams. Uh, I was I was rooting for them not to make the playoffs last year, not to you know offend any Detroit fans, but uh, they have that huge streak. I they're getting older, but you know they've always got the the horses. Statsuk, Zetterberg. Uh, they like to take the time with the youth. They've got Nyquist, Tatar coming up. So uh, I think they'll you know make the playoffs again. Probably just slip in like they did last time. I don't see the playoff landscape changing much uh a lot of the teams outside the playoffs either lost players or didn't do too much other than nashville um no one really in the east did a whole bunch to to make the lineup any better so yeah i I, the playoff landscape could really be exactly the same next year yeah i don't disagree with you i think it's it's going to be similar um you know and uh moving along another section that we added to our podcast is going to be a fan question. So anybody out there has a question, um, you can hit us up at ducks and pucks at mail.com. Uh, or obviously you can hit us up on Twitter, Facebook, and you know, all the other uh, social media avenues are out there, but uh, we're going to take some questions and answer them. The, um, you know, going on with the moves and everything going um, down in the off season, we had uh, Jimmy out of um, Los Angeles Asking, um, you know, does he see the Ducks trying to get another free agent or a trade? Uh, and, you know, based upon the interview that we played earlier, it looks like Boudreaux not going to do any kind of uh, free agency moves with the Ducks. I mean, obviously, Murray's the one that would make that decision. But it, it just doesn't seem like, uh, at least at the free agency part, it seems like the Ducks might be uh, good to go. What do you think, Eddie? I hope so. Uh, I really hope they don't add, like, trade, maybe, depending on who it is. But I don't want to give up. You know any of these young guys that we've coming up like Theodore and and Raquel and these are the guys that teams are gonna want for a guy like the only move I see us making if any is for a top four defenseman because it's really all we need and at the price that they're going for and that a lot of teams uh, have been rumored to put out there I don't really see it being a good choice and I you know I'm pretty sure Murray's done. I don't think, and you know, the the only way we'd make a trade or uh, free agency is 100% done in my opinion. Free agency is done. Trading, not till maybe halfway through the season if it's needed by injury or just because we're not doing well in a certain position. But I think the lineup we have going in, like Boudreaux said, we have 13, 14 one-way forwards, eight one-way defensemen, two one-way goalies. Uh, and a young guy he finds hard to keep out of the NHL. So I, making a trade or signing another player really doesn't make any sense right now. Yeah, I agree. I, I don't really see them doing anything right now until, like you said, we get the preseason underway, get the uh, beginning of the season, get the lines, and just kind of see how everything goes. I mean, I think you know the Ducks can come out strong like they did last year and just ride it. I don't really see us trying to, you know, make another move. Um, like you said, some of the top defensemen out there, I mean, some people are like, hey, let's get, uh, you know, Weber. It's like, okay, that's great, you know, but what, what are you going to do? Let's go get Weber. Let's yeah. go. I want to know who said that. Yeah, let's go get yeah. Weber. Let's give up everybody on the team. <laughs> like, come on. Exactly. 
almost look at some of these, you know, some of the people, like you said, they're, they're throwing out these names, these high up, let's you go know, get Crosby at, when we're it, at it. it. <laughs> like, come on. I mean, there's, I mean, guys these... top three in the league and defensemen. So exactly. So, you know, some of the names, I mean, yeah, it would, would it be great to get another top four defenseman? Sure. Of course it would be great. But like you said, the price is just, it's, it's just too much right now. If we were going to try to go get somebody, uh, and give up, you know, uh, quality youth in exchange. And our uh, second question uh, came from uh, Alexander uh, from Huntington Park in California. You know, again, assuming that the Ducks do uh, try to make a trade for a big defensive player, he's saying, uh, if we had to give up a forward, do you give up Paul Mary or do you give up Edom? Uh, and, you know, I wouldn't want to give up either one. Let me preface it that way. But because this is the question and it's one or the other, I would lean a little bit more towards uh, Palmieri and keeping Edom. Um, strictly based more on a, a positional type thing, we don't have as many players at the left wing position. And I just think at this point in time, uh, it's it's a close call. But I would think Edom would have a little bit more value uh, for the team in the long haul. Yeah, it's a, it's a hard decision. They're around the same age. Uh, Edom is a little bit is quicker than Palmieri. Palmieri is more physical than Edom. Palmieri's been with the team longer. He's put up more points. To to say who has more value right now, um, I guess it would be Palmieri. But if we're asking who I'd rather go, I think it would just like you said with Paul, Edom playing, being able to play left wing, and we don't have a lot of guys being able to play left wing. Uh, I see Edom being that third line left wing. So Palmieri kind of, if he doesn't play third line right wing then you know where does where does he fit so if we were going to make a trade it'd probably be palmieri i'd let go um but I, i'd rather keep both of them but for the sake of the question yeah palmieri i would let go but at a slim margin compared to Edom. definitely and um those are the couple questions that we uh, had time for uh this week like i said continue to hit us up on the email or uh, social media we'll answer more questions uh, as each week comes along um, and basically we're going to provide you with some updates too. Um, each week when we, uh, make some more changes, we did some, uh, new things on the blog this last week. We, um, added a section that has the podcast on there, has a little brief summary of everything. You can go in there and click on that to see, uh, basically what we talked about for each, um, podcast and it'll link you now into iTunes. We'll have both, um, iTunes and YouTube formats available for you to listen to the podcast um, another section we added uh, was uh, honoring uh, military heroes, which uh, Tyler, our writer from um, Texas, kind of approached me about, and that's why it came about. He had a good buddy of his that um, passed away overseas, unfortunately, uh, almost on the anniversary date of his other friend that had passed away uh, three years ago. So he had approached me and, and said, hey, Mike, you know, I'm having a tough time. I would like to write about him. I said, sure, fine. You know, if it's going to help you ease your pain, you know, whatever, whatever you need to do to help you, you know, um, some people it's, it is in writing. So decided to make that section and I thought it was appropriate, uh, because of the duck home games, they honor military personnel every game. Um, most of the time, the third period, I know the playoffs is uh, sometimes the second period, but, um, it's definitely something that we need to do. Uh, because we wouldn't be able to, to even talk right now about the sport or play the sports that we enjoy. It's not just to say U.S. military, but that's military everywhere. Yeah, and the, another section we did was the opinion and the fan poll section. We um, 
saw some other people out there talking about players and comparing players. So Eddie had the uh, first one with the twins, um, you know, versus uh, uh, the uh, Taves and Kane matchup with Chicago. Yeah, we're just uh, we're going to start doing, uh, I think, uh, probably not weekly i don't it depends on uh, how many we get in but we're gonna start doing you know head-to-head kind of comparisons uh to uh kind of ease the transition from off season to the start of the season um the first one was obviously the one i did was uh gets off and perry and uh taves and kane uh we've got another one coming up with uh lindholm and carlson kind of making a comparison not so much a head-to-head um but yeah we're gonna do a you know a couple of those throughout the off season and uh uh, you know, pump out a couple more uh, head-to-heads and uh, hopefully get some some good comparisons in. Yeah, and th- and that's again where the fans can come in. You know, if you have someone you want us to compare, we'll do a fan poll and we'll throw it out there. It could be it could be two duck players, it could be two non-duck players, or you know, a duck player versus someone else on another team. Whatever, whatever um, you the fans think of, just send it to us and we'll uh, pump out a poll and see what people think. Um, another thing we're going to start. Obviously, when the season comes up, we're going to have another category on uh, fantasy hockey. I know a lot of you out there play that. Um, so uh, Tyler is the one that kind of came up with that idea, idea, and he's going to head that up and basically give you um, stats and news and injuries and all that good stuff so that you can keep up on your fantasy hockey leagues as well as the real deal. Um, and, you know, the website's been doing well lately. We've had some popular articles um, Lately, obviously, Salami is always a big topic. He comes up. Um, that one has uh, been out there for a while. And Hiller has been the other big issue, too, that came up. Obviously, a lot of people upset, thought that he had said some things that he, he didn't say. Uh, we were able to get that verified again through Sportsnet. Uh, the audio, I was able to upload that up onto our, or at least the link to the audio up on our um website and that was wow i mean that was one of the most popular uh, articles we had recently um and again that's you know why i really wanted to have this website because like i said there's times that information comes out or rumors come out there and uh i like to either get the rumor confirmed or denied or if there's some other good information to get it out there to you the fans because sometimes like i said you don't see all this information um in the commercial sites they'll talk about stats and trades and news but they don't talk necessarily about more localized information and that's really kind of what we're trying to do here with this uh blog and podcast is to bring you all the the big important news but also to bring you some analysis and uh, important information from the local scene here in anaheim uh, and lastly, I just want to thank uh, one one follower of the uh, week, uh, Everything Hockey. Uh, you can follow them. It's uh, Everything with uh, E V R Y T H I N G Hockey, and they uh, really help uh, promote our website. They have a lot of good, funny videos and pictures, and I just suggest that you go out there and follow them for um, you know a good laugh and hockey stats. Yeah, don't forget to check us out on iTunes, guys. We. Uh... Took us a long time to put it on iTunes, so you know we're a pretty big deal now, guys. So check us out on iTunes. Uh, hit us up on uh, Twitter, ducks at ducks and pucks at Eddie Jones twenty. Uh, don't forget to check out the blog. Uh, this has been the second episode of Ducks and Pucks podcast. Uh, we're gonna bring out another one on Sunday. So uh, yeah, thanks for listening. The Anaheim Ducks are the standard-